This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 187. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have another very special guest for you. Her name is Dr. Sarah Michelle and she is a medical director and the vice president of medical operations for vetster and i'm very excited to have her on the podcast today and i can't wait to get to know her um, with you welcome to the podcast sarah thank you very much julie i'm excited to be here yeah i'm excited to have you so can you start by telling me your veterinary story like i always like to hear how people got into this profession and you know, just briefly, you don't have to tell me at all, but whatever you want to share. Of course. Um, well, thank, thanks for asking, because I love to share the story. Um, and uh, so like, like, I think many um, veterinarians, I was kind of afflicted with wanting to take care of animals at a very, as a very young child. Um, and uh, as I, re- I recently um, shared in a, in a written interview, my mother, if given the opportunity, would tell everybody that at the ripe old age of four, I announced to her that I was going to be a veterinarian. Uh, so I realize not everyone in our profession is like that, but a lot of us are. So many of us are young like that. <laughs> And um, so I started working, uh, you know, as a high school student at my local small animal practice. Uh, really, you know, that exposure for me was critical to, to sort of set my mind and course. Um, and I worked at that practice all the way through um, university, my undergraduate degree, and then through vet school. Um, and even, you know, until I graduated just as a sort of a do everything in the practice kind of person, right? Nice. Yeah. And uh, so I graduated from veterinary school, um, the Ontario Veterinary College in the late 90s. I'm, I hate to admit that now. Um, <laughs> and uh, but I've always, um, I grew up in a, in a business home. So no, nobody in my family was, was in veterinary care or in the veterinary industry um, whatsoever. My, both my parents worked um, for large corporations. My dad worked for IBM. And uh, so I was, I kind of grew up in like the business world, but I was always really passionate about animals and animal care. Um, So fairly shortly after graduation, uh, I I always, part of my goal, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but I also wanted to be a practice owner. Um, And so I established a a small animal GP practice just outside of Toronto. Uh, I am Canadian. And so I established that about three years after graduation as a solo practitioner and, uh, you know, had really wonderful journey with that experience uh, for 18 years. I uh, grew that practice and um, relocated it. And, and I, um, 2018, I found myself in a bit of a lull, um, you know, and, and really starting to explore other other things that I could do within this career really finding like uh you know I almost conquered that challenge and uh and and that's how that's kind of like my story that's how I got into this I was like oh I've okay I've run the practice I know how to do that let's try something else yeah that's fun yeah well and and prior prior to that actually I will have to say I started to be um even more interested uh in businesses outside the traditional model um, 
I'm frozen. Am I frozen for you? A little bit. You kind of froze, but but now you're going. Now you're okay. Okay. It's a bit. I live in the country, is and it it's a, a bit unstable? breezy. My internet That's is all right. I can, he, I can hear you time. fine. So yeah. even if the video yeah. freezes a little bit, as long as I can hear you, okay. I'll be patient. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So prior to um, when I really sort of decided it was time to retire from practice ownership, sort of in late 2016, 2017, I started to um. I was introduced to a young woman who was really championing the telemedicine um, opportunity for veterinarians um, here in Canada, and he really fascinated um, sort of with this mode of delivery of care, and it, it, it really started to recognize um, the opportunity for, uh, for virtual care providers um, in terms of for as veterinarians, the opportunity that might exist for us as veterinarians, as practice owners. But in addition, um, you know, really recognizing that the internet has no borders and the chance for us as veterinary practitioners to impact the accessibility to care challenge that um, so many pets across the globe, um, pets and animal, animals in general um, right. are faced with. So so it's sort of a little spark of, of, of interest and opportunity there. And then in 2018, when I sold my practice, um, I started doing some, just some small animal welcoming um, across Southern Ontario, got to visit lots of different practices. Uh, and that was really great for me because, you know, I come out of, out of um, school and it kind of got into my own practice and my world got a little smaller. And so right. for, for a couple of years, years you, you do it the way you do it yeah. and you don't see other practices. Yeah. Yeah, and so I really enjoyed that time um, for those two years that I did that and, and got to see and do. I also did some ER stuff um, that I hadn't really done as much of in, as a GP. Um, and then the pandemic hit. And, uh, you know, still, I was also at the same time still doing a little bit of virtual care um, with another platform, not Vetster. Um, and then, so, and then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden, you know, all these niggling concerns that practices and practice owners had um, and the challenges that they were experiencing, you know, gasoline just got through on the fire, right? Um, we see practices struggling um, to keep staff healthy, um, to be able to keep seeing patients uh, and, and, and telemedicine in both human and the veterinary industry just got you know, pushed, as you know, um, to the forefront of, oh. of conversation. Yeah, it was really, and I found really something that we had to do, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we really had to do and, and to do very, very few, um, very few practitioners really were very familiar with it, veterinary practitioners as a whole. Right. And um, kind of forced into figuring out what we could do, um, be that via FaceTime, be that, you know, via some of the early uh, companies that were out there. Um, and, and so through this process, I found myself kind of championing in a lot of these practices because I was familiar with it. And because I had already, you know, done a fair amount of work in this space, I found myself practicing in these uh, or championing the opportunity with these practices that I'd been welcoming in. And, um, and so that journey early in the pandemic um, 
really helped me to uh, be really much more comfortable and confident in the in the telemedicine space. And then inadvertently, um, I got introduced to the founders at Vetster. Uh, and so Vetster, I will uh, share with you the a tiny bit. Uh, so our two co-founders um, at Vetster actually come from the um, vacation, vacation space, the real estate space. Okay. Um, but they uh, are very familiar with marketplace um, opportunities. Are you losing me? Um, no, you broke up a little bit for a second, but I, I heard it. Okay. So our two co-founders are tech um, and business people, and um, th they personal stories. You know, they found themselves pre um, in a position to sort of be reevaluating their serial entrepreneur skills um, at the end of 2019, um, and in early 2020, pre-pandemic, really started to explore the veterinary telemedicine. Um, space. Um, our, our CEO, Mark, um, himself, a busy executive, had a senior, has a senior um, little doggy who had some pretty high needs veterinary care wise um, and was really struggling, you know, getting himself into his practice, meeting with his veterinarian. Um, and it's sort of a light bulb moment for him that he was like, you know, what's, what's happening in the veterinary virtual care space? And wow. so um, Vetster's business development began in late 2019, early 2020, pre-pandemic. Um, and then, you know, the proverbial perfect storm of... Uh, Couldn't have planned of, that any better, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was really, you know, it's, it's one of right. those, it's one of those things cost. you hate to say. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, location, 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 right? Exactly. And yeah. And Who would have thought a pandemic would be the perfect storm to start a company, right? Right. <laughs> right. And so um, I was connected um, with uh, Mark Bordeaux, our CEO, um, because he doesn't have any veterinary background. Um, but, you know, the two of us, my background and and his, um, you know, it was a really good meeting of the minds. Um, and so I, I joined the Vetster team um, sort of late summer 2020 uh, as they, they realized as they moved forward in this space that they definitely needed some veterinary guidance. Um, yeah, it'd be a hard so thing, to, I've been a part thing of the, to develop without of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So it's been a wonderful experience for me um, since joining Vester. And, um, you know, it's really great for me to be able to see all of the things that I was passionate about in telemedicine, or the opportunity, the ripe opportunity for both veterinarians and pet owners, as we talked about already, um, have a have a really viable channel to to really start gaining traction and getting legs. And yeah. um, <clears throat> yeah. So, so. so what are the benefits for, well, we kind of know the benefits for the clients, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit intuitive, but what's the benefits for the veterinarians and the veterinary industry? Like, what do you see Vetster doing? Because this, this platform is designed just to be telemedicine. Is that what I'm understanding? Right. So I guess I should perhaps explain our platform a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Because I, I, yeah, I don't because, know any, I'm starting from scratch. I, I read a little bit, yeah. but you need to teach right. me. <laughs> so we, our platform is very unique to um, all of our, all of the competition, all of our competition that's out there, such that, um, you know, uh, we have created a platform that's very sophisticated digitally, 
um, and has lots of tools embedded in it. But we are the we are in the software business, and we've created this wonderful software piece that veterinarians can leverage our technology so that they can meet with their clients virtually online using our tool. Okay, so I guess I didn't understand so we, that part. Um, are what, you're helping uh, vet clinics mm -hmm. implement the telemedicine into their own practices. Okay. And and the individual veterinarian, not just clinics. Okay. So okay. veterinarians, so as a market, as a marketplace, um, veterinarians can sign up and create a profile on our platform. Um, and they can, you know, and, and then they market themselves uh, using our platform and we do, you know, marketing to pet to pet owners to to bring bring them the two together. Oh. Um, and then they 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 use our software service and, and our technology to meet virtually with the with the pet owner. And then the practice of veterinary medicine is is at their discretion. And mm -hmm. so we um, you know obviously the legalities in terms of establishing a VCPR and prescribing vary dramatically across state to state um, and we help to provide veterinarians guidance on what is currently permissible and what isn't within okay. their states but ultimately that's their it's their practice and they have to um, you know practice within the realm of what they feel comfortable with as well um, it really does change depending on where you are if you bring your own clients to the platform so as you described before we were sort of you know formally speaking Julie yeah. if you, if you bring your own clients to the platform um, you know it's not for us to say whether you can you have already established a VCPR with that client just an extension or not um, so we leave that you know up to the veterinarian's discretion <clears throat> okay so you don't and regulate so it, really there's that. a lot of flexibility with our platform okay. um, and so we we definitely it's up to us to regulate it right we are we we are just the connection means okay so it's kind of Sorry. it's almost like Excuse a go-between for the veterinary the veterinarians the practices and the clients it's kind of a like to try to get them in touch with each other or is it more right. about the technology and trying to get the videos and all of that it's both really we are an enabler okay you know our, our technology is savvy such that pet owners find it easy to connect easy to use veterinarians find it easy to use okay. but our goal is truly to support the veterinarians and the clients to connect um, because one of the biggest challenges pre and now even post pandemic is even worse is is really connecting with the veterinarian okay. and so uh you know we if it's we work with both clinics and the individual veterinarians. Um, so in some situations, we have clinic, we have arrangements and, and, and relationships with clinics um, where they will send their clients to Vetster either to see themselves or if they're at capacity or struggling to staff their, their clinic and they just cannot see a patient, they can send them to Vetster because we have a whole host of veterinarians who are there to be able to catch that overflow. Oh, okay. I can see that as an advantage. 
we, you know, we're, we're very unique in that way. Hmm. That's fascinating. So if you're working at a clinic and you're, you're overrun with clients and it's something that can be handled on a virtual basis, then you can send that client of yours mm -hmm. to the platform because you're already a member of Vetster and you already use them for your own practice. And then that client, hopefully later on, will come back to you, I'm guessing, is kind of the idea. Or if it needs blood work or something, then it would come back to the, the clinic. That's right. So the a clinic can either um, refer to their own specific veterinarian on Vetster. Okay. So in some examples, you know, you, you may have staff members who be, for various reasons um, can't be in the clinic, but they sure can support from home. So the clinic can refer to that team member um, to sort of say, okay, you know what, I want you to go back into your clinic. I'm going to, our, our clinic, I want to, I want your pet to have a blood a blood draw, urine sample collected, um, and x-rays taken, and then, um, you know, and, and then the medical record that's generated. So there's a medical record generated from each Vetster appointment, and okay. that medical record can be shared back to the, the clinic so that everything... There's a knowledge flow, right? Um, okay. I met with I met with Dr. Sarah. She tells me that you're going to be coming in, um, you know, or, or let's arrange for you to come in so Fluffy can get a blood drawn and an X-ray taken, um, as per her notes and her record, and then we'll organize the further care from there. Okay, well, that's really fascinating. So, mm -hmm. what do you see? I mean, I understand now that you're saying that you can use it for your own practice. Like I was telling mm -hmm. you. I, if I was out of town, let's say I was going to go to Florida for um, a month, as which I did last year, I did some telemedicine back to my hospital while I was there. So this would be a platform for us to facilitate that even. Like if one of your vets is mm -hmm. on, you know, a leave or has to stay home, you know, if I had one day I had to call in sick because I had a cold and I wasn't sure it wasn't COVID. So I called in sick, but I was really fine. Right. And I said, you know, I'm sneezing and coughing. Right. I don't want to come to the office. Can we do some telemedicine? And that's what kind of how we did it. I had the texts at the hospital and I was at home and we still saw patients that way. Just, just on one day, we kind of made it up as we go along. Is that kind of what, what it's to facilitate that kind of thing? It can be. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a perfect, perfect use case in my opinion. Yeah. And as, as a practice owner, you know, so the veterinarians on our platform, we don't employ them. They are paid by the pet owner for the appointment. Through vets? So the, is there like, a, a, okay, so there's a financial um, that goes right to, back to the vet that's on there. That's okay. Right. So each, each veterinarian on our platform can set their own consultation rate. We gotcha. leave it to their discretion. Right. They're 30 minute appointment. Okay. So um, it's surfaced to the client, uh, you know, your availability. So the veterinarian also has complete control over when they want to see appointments or not. Um, there's no minimum number of appointments you have to take. That's, again, that's not our role. This right. is your practice on, on our platform. Okay. And so in your particular situation, you know, if, or, or a practice owner situation, you know, that veterinarian may maybe having 
a sick day or, or on a leave, and you may not be compensating them for that time, but they can get compensated per appointment um, directly by the pet owner, but then coordinate the aftercare or the follow-up that needs to be done in person with your clinic. With the clinic. Okay. So do you see this as a way to solve our understaffing problem that we're having with veterinarians? I talked to someone else about telemedicine on another podcast, and I and my concern was, okay, if if veterinarians go on these platforms and start doing virtual medicine, are we pulling them out of the practice? That was my concern. And then we don't have enough people in the practices. But she said to me, well, yes, but there are instances of people, you know, like you and I that we're pulling back from practice where we don't really want to be in the hospital, but we still want to work. So she saw it as a way to expand our market and use more veterinarians on the, the retirees or the people that don't have the physical capability to be, you know, in the room fighting with a 90 pound dog. (laughs) So is that kind of how you see it as well? I love this question, actually, Julie, because I think it's, um, I think that you've really highlighted what a lot of the industry is terrified by with this conversation. Um, You know, there's a a fear that virtual veterinarians are going to be taking away from both the practice revenue perspective, but most importantly, from a practice staffing perspective. And I would actually, I would actually argue that it's it's fully the opposite because I think that a lot of veterinarians, particularly as we look at how our practice ownership across the country, across the continent, uh, it's changing. You know, the, the shift to corporate ownership and consolidator ownership. Um, and a lot of veterinarians like myself who were, you know, fatigued in that role but it doesn't mean just because you know people are selling their practices or or stepping back from ownership doesn't mean they don't want to continue to support their teams and their clients and this is a really nice sort of in-between way that practice owners who are retiring from practice ownership can still remain involved with patient care and supporting their teams without the physical burden, um, without the, without, as you said, struggling with the dog um, or even where they, they need to be to be able to do that. Right. I could see it being something that, you know, if a veterinarian's on leave for, let's say they had to have knee surgery, and they can't work, you know, they can't work for Mm -hmm. six weeks or, but they still want to help their practice and they still want to make money and they still want to support their team at the hospital. I could see that being a really good place for this, you know, because that's what's happened to me. I I went to Florida. I was like, I really, you know, I can still work. I'm not, I'm not on a vacation. I'm just going down there to spend time with my parents and yada, yada. And so it was kind of a good way for me to keep working without actually being in the building because there were still people in the building, you know, seeing, I could see the ones that didn't really need me there personally. So I, I really see this as an interesting way to use something like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly where I see the perfect fit, you know, yeah. um, and oh, whether it be, um, you know, um, those of us that might be kind 
sunsetting our careers, but there's also an opportunity for the for the the younger veterinarian. And it's you know those a lot of those younger veterinarians um, are struggling to juggle family commitments and um, you know certainly with COVID now with all you know, sniff, sniffles as you described earlier. Yeah, you can't go to work if you have if you have How a little bit of a cold. You got to stay home. How do you juggle all those things and not want to let your veterinary team down because right. you can't be there? But then as an employer, how do you manage that? You know, if, if your staff member can't, is repeatedly unable to be there because of, of, of all these challenges. So again, it's nice because that veterinarian can be, well, I can see patients from home today, but my employer doesn't necessarily have to pay me for my absence because I will be remunerated by the by the patients that I see and then I will send them back into the clinic for you know the workups and the diagnostics that I need to complete the care. Hmm. I just got an idea as you were saying that I could see when you said younger veterinarians I, I know that there is a big need out there for some of the younger veterinarians to you know get a bigger income or make more money to pay back their student loans and things like that and wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing? And I don't know how this would work with the day clinics, but if they could work like a night shift at home, if they would put in a few hours in the evening, if they, if they felt like it to make some extra money for their pocketbook to pay their loans, but also support their day team with the emergencies, pull some of these people out of the emergency clinics that don't really need to be seen in, in an urgent way, kind of balance all of that. So it would, it would benefit the doctors, you know, that want to work a few extra hours, but they don't want to be in the clinic, you know, 80 hours a week, but they could work an extra 10 from home, make a little bit of extra money as long as I, I, the only, the only downside is if it, if their practice didn't agree with that, I think it might be a little bit of a, um, kind of a conflict of interest almost maybe, unless their, their day clinic agrees. I think this comes back to what we were talking about briefly before um, is this we as practice owners and and even as a profession, we need to take a step back and and really recognize that the fear like this, there is really no conflict here like right that fear is unfounded because there's just simply not enough of us to go around. And so if we can get creative and supportive. Um, there's a lot of good in this for, for everybody across the board. Yeah. It's all opportunity. Mm -hmm. It is. And, you know, I think one of the questions that, um, your team may have sort of proposed prior to us meeting was, you know, um, why is there such, why is there such opportunity and what, what did the COVID pandemic, um, you know, really, really change. And I think it changed the sheer number of pets in households, you know, there's a ton of data and statistics to show that that pet adoptions and and now pet relinquishment and everything, right? It's all, it all escalated and mushroomed. And there's really solid statistics out there that show that well over 50% of American pets don't have, and pet owners don't have a a regular veterinarian and a relationship with a regular veterinarian. And that's where, you know, the opportunity to meet with a a veterinarian virtually, even if you're in a state where you can't necessarily prescribe um, medications, but that knowledge and that support, you know, it's huge, that opportunity to educate and 
and, and support pet owners uh, to be the real Dr. Google instead of what Dr. Googling ends up misinforming people. Right. I think that's huge for us as a profession to, to not be afraid of. Yeah. So you'd really have to check into this in your state, in your area, with your practice. If you work at a day practice, how is this all going to integrate? So tell me um, briefly before we wrap up here, because I know you're on a time crunch. Um, tell me briefly how people out there, if they're interested in learning more about this platform, how can they get in touch with you? What kind of steps can they go to to, yeah. to learn more? Perfect. Um, so our, our website has a whole bunch of information for both pet owners and veterinarians. Um, so it's our, our web address is very easy to remember. It's vetster, V-E-T-S-T-E-R.com. And when you land on the website, um, you know, there's clear um, direction for pet owners and for veterinarians um, and veterinary professionals, you know, in the top of the website, um, deeper in the footers of the website, there's multiple ways that you can learn about our platform right there. And then there's multiple ways that you can connect with our support teams um, in turn to get more information and to be connected with our, our team that helps to support veterinarians. Um, and so it's a very, you know, I, pride, I take a lot of pride as do many of us at how user-friendly our website is. Yeah. And we have, we have, you know, a live support team available um, for, um, from 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, seven days a week, where you can connect with a member of our team who can either help answer questions um, to veterinarians and pet owners or put you in touch with someone deeper within our organization who, who can support further. So then you can learn about how legal, what, how the legal stuff works. And because I would encourage people to check that out too, to make sure they're not getting into something that they're going to be you know, personally liable for. And I'm sure you guys have right. thought all that through and can talk yeah. to people about all yeah. those things. That's, that's yeah. fascinating. It's, plenty, it's an plenty excellent of idea. Yeah, it's yeah. an excellent idea. And um, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to check into it because I think there's so many possibilities. Yep, yeah. for sure. Well, uh, thank you um, again for inviting me to this. So well, I really appreciate you being here. I'm, I'm sorry it was kind of brief, but um, we can always talk again if we, if we sure decide can. to. And um, it was lovely meeting you, and I'm excited to learn more about this. Where did that name Vetster come from? Do you know? <laughs> Is there a story? About, that's um, a story that I must um, leave from my CEO and my CTO, the two co-founders. Okay, so Sarah they came up with it. Okay. There is a story behind it, uh, but it's catchy and I like it. Yeah, so. it is. <laughs> that's, why I thought, that's why I thought to ask, because I'm like, that's kind of an yeah. interesting name. Well, it was so nice meeting you. This is Dr. Sarah Michelle, and uh, it was delightful meeting you. And hopefully, we'll get together again. And if we, uh, if there's some interest in this subject, um, we'll definitely get, gather some questions. So, if you have any questions out there for me, you can email me um, or go to the website and check it out. And we can always compile some questions and have another go around with this, huh? Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Julie. It was lovely to meet you. Have a great afternoon. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.